Great to be with you again. Love you. Love your church. Love your pastors and have uh, done so for many, many years. And so it's just a great joy to come and to be with you this morning. It's like like being at home, being at home. So uh, now I'm going to uh, let you in on a secret. When my son was about, I might have told you this, when my son was uh, in the first grade, he, uh, my wife kind of had a knack for volunteering me to do stuff, right? And so uh, I get up, ready to go about my day, and she says, oh, by the way, today you're going to go speak at Micah's, speak in Micah's classroom and talk about what you do for uh, a living. Oh, I said, I am. You know, so when the boss tells me to do something, I do it. Honey, why don't you stand up so everybody can see you anyway. This is my lovely wife, Marla. So anyway, my, so anyway the boss says you're going to go speak at your, uh, your son's classroom. And so I say, okay. So I go there, and the teachers, they're, they're like, they're laughing. So I'm thinking, man, what, you know, what, what's, what's wrong? Do I got something coming out of my ear? Is, you know, is, are my shoes on the wrong feet? You know, they're smiling, they're chuckling, and that kind of thing. And so they say, uh, uh, we know what you do. Now, I've never seen, I've never met these teachers before or talked to them. They go, we know what you do. And I said, oh, you do? They said, yes, your son told us what you do. And so I'm thinking, what did he tell you? And they said, he told us what you do is every Sunday, you get all these people in a room, you lock the door, and then you just scream your head off at them. (laughs) So if I scream my head off a little bit, I've kind of mellowed out over the years, but if I scream my head off a little bit, you have been duly uh, warned, all right? I want to read a passage of Scripture to you found in the book of Matthew chapter 11, starting uh, from verse 25. And I want to talk today, uh, Pastor Jude and I are doing a sermon series on space. And so I'm going to do two messages. He's going to do two messages but this is a series that we're doing on, on, on space. God gives us space to live in, space to thrive in, space to do his purposes. And today I'm talking about a space for rest. So I'm going to go ahead and just read this uh, passage, and then we're going to jump in with both feet. The Bible says, uh, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, when I was in high school, I played football. Uh, I wasn't nothing spectacular, but I played. I was on the team. And what we would do before the actual season would start, we had what you call daily doubles or two-a-days, which meant that you would practice two times a day. So you would get up, go to the school, uh, Put your, put, your pads and, and, uh, put your pads on, 
strap up your cleats, and you'd work out for about two and a half hours hard. Then you go in, shower, go home, come back about two and a half hours, three hours later, and do the same thing again. Now, I had not worked out. I had not, I wasn't in shape. And so those two-a-days kicked my posterior. I was totally wiped out. So one day, uh, we, we were hanging out. We were at my grandmother's house, and I just finished the first practice, right? And uh, when I uh, finished, I came home. I, was in, I, I wanted to find a cool space. So I went into the basement of my grandmother's house, and I just, I don't even remember, just, I don't even remember going to sleep. I just knew I was out. I was knocked out. I was out cold. While I was sleeping, my cousin, who was younger, and my brother, who was younger, they did something to me that I did not find out about until I took my socks off at, for the next practice. What they had done was, while I was sleeping, they got my grandmother's bright red fingernail polish, and they painted my toenails bright red, and they put my socks back on, right? So I was totally wiped out. I was totally, I was asleep. I didn't hear nothing. I didn't feel nothing. I mean, I was gone. But they had did all this artistic nail work on my feet while I was sleeping. So I go into practice, right? Now, so these are like football guys, right? You know, I go into practice. And so I'm taking my socks off, you know, after practice to get the shower and stuff like that. And lo and behold, I've got 10 toenails painted bright red. Man, the guys in the locker room were like, man, what is up with you? What is up? I didn't even know how to react. I was dumb. I was like, <laughs> I was so, I, I could not wait to get back to my grandmother's house. Man, they, they, they were going to be red someplace else. But, man, they laughed. I was, I was like the joke for almost the whole season. Man, mark red nails, red toenails. But the, the, the point I want to make uh, in that is this. I was so exhausted and I was so tired that I was unaware of what was happening to me. I didn't even know what was going on because I was wore out, physically exhausted, mentally exhausted, to the place where my brother and my cousin could paint my toenails and I was too exhausted to even know what was going on. There's a real temptation. There's a, I don't even want to call it temptation. There's a reality that exists today where many people's hearts are experiencing a soul fatigue. Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burdens light, you shall find rest for your soul. That word soul also is equivalent to the word uh, breath or it means your life or your existence. And so Jesus is talking about a soul fatigue that people have uh, because of life, because of situations, because of circumstances. And the question is, how do you find a space where you can find rest to dwell, to deal with soul fatigue? Where is the place that you can find rest to allow your soul to be replenished, to be nurtured, 
to find relaxation, to find a new vibrancy for life when you feel wore out in the inside, where you feel depleted in the inside, and when you're like, you know what, I'm just going through the motions, but all everything else is just left me. My virtue is gone, and I'm depleted the inside. Where is a space that I can find rest? We're going to talk about that today. But before we do so, I want to just talk about a few things that can weary the soul and bring about a soul fatigue. The first one is this, a performance lifestyle. A performance lifestyle. A performance lifestyle is an artificial way of life in which unauthentic efforts use up your life oxygen and thereby exhaust your soul. Whenever you and I live in a way that's artificial, we're burning up precious fuel. We're burning up energy. We're using oxygen for something that is not real. And the reality is you only get so much oxygen. And whether we use it right or whether we use it, use it the wrong way, it's being used. And so many times there's just the, the whole performance aspect of life. Now, I've been a pastor for over 33 years. I've been around the block a couple times. And can I tell you, sometimes even being a pastor, there's a temptation to perform. There's a temptation to be unauthentic. There's a temptation to fit into the status quo. There's a temptation to be something other than you really are. And when we succumb to that and we're living out of that place of performance to fit in, to, uh, to, to, to kind of have that niche within the status quo, it will cause a weariness to the soul. It will wear you out. It's hard enough trying to be you. I remember uh, I was, uh, somebody was talking about uh, Frank Sinatra. And one person, they, I, I, I can't remember if it was Sammy Davis Jr. or Dean Martin, you know, one of the old Rat Pack guys. You got some of you younger ones, you can, you can YouTube that to find out who these guys were. But uh, this guy was asking something about, about Frank Sinatra and about imitating him. And the guy goes, look, Frank has enough, Frank has a hard enough time being Frank. What am I going to do trying to be like Frank? See, we have a hard enough time just trying to be ourselves let alone trying to be somebody else or pretend like somebody else or to try to be a carbon copy of somebody else. Can I tell you something? God made you unique. There's nobody else like you. When God made you, come on, somebody, he broke the mold. You are one of a kind. Come on, somebody. You are the best you that you could ever be. There's no one like you. So why waste precious oxygen trying to be like somebody else? I don't want to be like Mike. I want to be like Mark, who loves Jesus. Come on. You don't have to be like somebody else. Be yourself. And so we don't have to live, do this performance thing, even the, the whole religious performance thing. Man, it's, it's hard to be religious. It's, it, 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 it's, it's hard to be religious. You know that, okay, I'm a follower of Jesus, and, 
and I, I, I've got to do this right now. I've got to do that right now. I've got to do it like this. It's got to be like this. And so we're just like, you know, like you're in a strobe life, try, strobe light, trying to live a, a, an authentic gospel life, just struggling, struggling, struggling. Instead of just allowing him to do his thing in you, you know, <laughs> the old song, I, I guess I can get some new songs here, but it used to be an old song by the Isley Brothers. They said, it's your thing. Do what you want to do. I can't tell you who to sock it to. Listen, no, it ain't your thing. It's his thing. And if his thing's inside of you, you don't have to try to fake and just be religious. No, the life of Christ inside you, the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus inside you flows out so you can live and do what it is and be who he's called you to be. I mean, it's organic. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Come on. It's healing. It's medicinal. It's powerful. It's life-giving. Performance will wear you out. Listen, here's a little something to help you. Help me too, right? I need help too. I need help a lot. I probably need help more than y'all need help. The key to not living a life of performance is simple. And you've heard this before. Just live your life before an audience of one. If you and I just live to please him and just live to serve him, come on, and just live to glorify him and just live to make him happy and live to make him satisfied and live to make his heart full of joy. I feel like preaching this morning and live to bring a glory to his heart and to his mind and soul. If I just live for an audience of one, I may not please, I can't please myself all the time. You can't please people all the time. You can't do enough. It's not enough. But if you live for an audience of one, I'm not performing. I'm just following and living and honoring. So that performance will impact our hearts, impact our need for rest. Also, personal struggles. Personal struggles, weakness, battles, sin. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll be honest. Even though I may have been a, even though I've been a pastor for 33 years, man, I still struggle. I still have, I'm talking about battles. I mean, if, you got, if some of y'all knew the battles I go through, you wouldn't even want to be, you say, man, I ain't listening to him. I mean, where you're, you're struggling with stuff. You're struggling with your, your confidence. There's temptations that you have to work through. There's inadequacies. There's sometimes doubts and disappointments and pressures and stuff that goes on in your inner world. See, a lot of times we see, the, we see people's breakdown in the outer world, but see, the outer breakdown comes long after the inward has already been broken down. And the outward is just a manifestation of the broken down inward. And sometimes as, as followers of Christ, we have this notion that since I've gave my life to Jesus and since I'm following Christ, everything's got to be perfect. Everything's got to be right. Everything's got to be like, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? 
just because we love the Lord with all of our heart, just because we love the Lord with all of our mind, just because we, we love the Lord with all of our soul and all of our strength, it does not mean that you don't struggle. It doesn't mean you have, that you don't have battles. And just because you struggle, just because you have battles, just because you have doubts, it does not mean that you are unspiritual. It does not mean that you're falling away from God. Listen, it's okay to struggle. Give yourself the permission to struggle in God. You know how it is, you know, when we, as a kid, you take those field trips. What did you have to get from your mom or dad? A permission slip, right? A permission slip. Why? They had to give the consent for you to go on the trip. Today, I want to give you a permission slip. I want to give you a permission slip that says it's all right to struggle. It's all right to wrestle. It's all right not to know. It's all right not to have it all figured out. It's all right. So listen, faith is a mystery. God is a mystery. And if we're following after God, there are going to be those times in our lives when we're living in mystery. How do you live in mystery? You live in mystery through faith. It's not so important to understand the mystery but what's important is to trust the master. So if you can trust the master, he'll get you through the mystery. So it's okay to have those struggles. It's okay, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to, you know, sometimes the struggle is just admitting our own pain and that, we're, and that we're hurt. That we're hurt. My heart is broken. I'm disappointed. I feel let down. You know, because sometimes as, as believers, we don't we don't want to we don't want to admit that we don't want to say that we hurt. You know, we just like, oh, you know, I, uh, uh, I'm more than a conqueror through him, through him who loved me. You know, God's going to get me through. No, you're hurt. You're wounded. You're broken. I remember back in 1998, our church had a, uh, we had an arson, an arson fire. I'm sorry, not 98 it was 96. And uh, I get a call at 3 o'clock in the morning, and my neighbor, I, call, I called him the troll because he was this big, burly guy, right? And his house was next door to the church. He didn't like the church. He didn't like people uh, parking in front of his house. And sometimes some of the ladies would come to our church, they'd be traumatized because they'd park in front of his house, and he'd come out and just growl at him. And, and I'd see them coming in there shaking like this with their baby carriages, and I'm like, oh, man, the troll got you, didn't he? The troll got you. So the troll, I, well, Lord, forgive me calling this man a troll. He, 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 he calls me like 3 o'clock at night, and he says, Mark, he says, your church is on fire. And my mind is kind of just, I'm tripping because I'm like, first of all, how did the troll get my home number? How did this dude get my, and then number two, why is he calling me at 3 o'clock at night? And then number three, he said, the church's on fire. Do I even believe him? I said, I said man, you're playing with me. You're playing with me. He said, I'm not, I'm not. He said, the church is burning. So I get in the car, drive down. Sure enough, it was, I mean, that's a whole story in and of itself. I could spend 45 minutes just talking about all the nuances of that. So we get to, I get to the church, and uh, police are there, fire department's there, FBI is there, all this stuff is going on. And so we go through this time, this period where, um, there's investigation going on. There's 
because what, what happened was they had a string of uh, churches were burned in the south. So they were like all these racially motivated arson fires. And so ours was kind of the first one to get on the, on the west coast. And so they were just trying to really figure this thing out. So, I mean, we were going, we were going through it for weeks. I remember one time my wife came, it was about some, uh, somebody was knocking our door at 7, 30 in the morning and asking questions. She said, I just can't take this anymore. I mean, it was just, it was exhausting. I mean, I, we couldn't even go outside. I mean, every day, it was like our church was on the newspaper. Every day, we were on the news. Every day, some kind of interview. I mean, our phone was just, it was just, it was crazy, 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 crazy. So there was a group of pastors that invited me to, uh, for breakfast. They said, we just want to encourage you uh, through this situation, right? So I go to the restaurant, and I, and I have no guards up. My guards are down, and I'm thinking they're going to encourage me. So we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, uh, one guy says, well, what are you doing with the money? And I'm thinking, money? Uh, he says, aren't you getting insurance money? And the reality was we weren't. Now, the denomination was, but in terms of church, we were in transition. We weren't. And then they said, you, yeah, you're making us look bad. Now, I'm already dealing with the, with the fire in our congregation being displaced. They're grilling me about money, and I thought they were bringing me down here to talk to me about helping me. So I'm sitting in that, I'm sitting in that restaurant, and I'm holding it back, and, I, and I, I, I feel tears starting to come down my face because I'm hurt. And, I mean, they've, they've added insult to the injury. I mean, I'm, I'm hurt. And so uh, while they're talking and going on, I, I just kind of check out. So when that breakfast was over, I, I, this, is what, this is what I was saying in my heart. This, this is, if I could just be honest and transparent with you. I said, God, if this is how your boys roll, I don't want nothing to do with them. If this is how you roll, I don't want anything to do with it. I was hurt. I was hurt. So God is so good because one guy came to the meeting extremely late. He was extremely late. And he said, hey, Mark, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He said, he said how'd it go? And I'm standing around in front of the restaurant. I said, man, I said, they tore me up. And I started telling what happened, man, and the tears just start Start, they just start pouring down. He said, I, I said, I said, man, I said, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. And uh, I can't tell you what he said. But this is told me. He said, man, Mark, listen. He said, you go and go for the vision that God gave you to do. But I, I, but I, but I, I had to admit to him. I had to admit it that I was hurt and broken. And sometimes we as Christians don't like to talk about how we're hurt. What about our marriages? We come to church, we sit together, but at home we're struggling like crazy. We don't want to talk to each other. We're in different rooms. I know sometimes, you know, me and my wife, if we get into it, you know, I'll, I'll have my prayer time in the morning. She may have her prayer time in the morning, but we're walking like this in the house. Is she going to say something to me? Should I say something to her? I mean, we're just tripping. And sometimes we may trip for a couple days. I know y'all are more spiritual than that. That's why I say y'all got to pray for me. But sometimes the hurt, the hurt is real. And those personal struggles are real. And, it, and the hurt can come from all different kind of areas. Now, what about this? What about this? I got I to get moving here. 
But what about when God upsets you? What about when God hurts you? Pastor Mark, God would never hurt me. He might. How? What about when he doesn't answer your prayer the way that you expected? There are a lot of people in this world today who are mad at God, walked away from God. My father has a friend who wants nothing to do with God because God did not answer a prayer for him 50 years ago. When things don't work out the right way and we're disappointed at God, how do we deal with that kind of hurt? We've got to acknowledge it. We've got, we've got to say it's real, it's here, and so forth. So, so dealing with those personal issues can also um, exhaust us. Our physical limitations, our productivity, you know, Bible says don't be weary in doing well. Why? Because you're reaping due season, you don't faint. But the emphasis, do not be weary in doing well, meaning that even in our good doing, we can become tired, wore out, fatigue. Remember Elijah? I mean, Elijah did, was doing good things, right? I mean, dude prayed, fire, I, he, he prayed, no rain came. He prays again, the rain comes. Fire comes down from heaven. I mean, he was doing good stuff, but he got to a place where he was exhausted, tired, fatigued, soul drained, wore out, and God had to let him sleep. God had to feed him. God had to let him rest. Why? Because he was tired of doing good. We all have physical limitations, right? So that type of thing. And then this whole issue where we're at right now with the pandemic and politics. Now, no matter what your particular political bent is or what my particular political bent is, that's irrelevant. But the reality of it is what's been happening politically is enough to wear you out. It's enough to exhaust you. It's enough to make you scratch your head and say, what the what is going on? And this whole pandemic that, 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 that we've been going through, and whether people believe it's real or whether it's false or whether it's conjured up, regardless of what, what we've been going through is enough to wear you out. And we see it. People are, uh, uh, the, the concern is the mental health of our of our nation, the mental health of people, because our relationships have been so altered and so drastically different, and there's been no touch, there's been no communication in life as we know, and as we lived it for years, it has not been that way. And so all the issues and nuances around this pandemic has an effect upon us to wear us out, to create a soul fatigue that will make us tired and desperately need a space for rest. It's a lot. And then the last thing, of course, I want to mention is the whole thing about principalities and powers. Now, you know, sometimes you, know, you see those old school movies and the devil's just like this little dude in the red suit with the pitchfork that just kind of hangs out on people's shoulders. 
and he's, he's, his, his line is, eat the chocolate cake. It's not going to hurt you. Take a big bite. And then the angel's over here, no, don't eat the chocolate cake. You don't need it. Your sugar levels are getting crazy. You've been praying to God to help you lose weight. Don't eat the chocolate cake. And the devil's like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. They just don't want you to have that delicious frosting rippling down the back of your tongue and tantalizing your taste buds. Eat the cake, fool. You know, see, we have this kind of comical view of principalities and powers and, and the demonic world. Sometimes people make it, you know, some people, <laughs> I remember, people can get so weird. The church gets so weird when it comes to talking about that kind of stuff. I remember <laughs> there was this, uh, a friend of mine, he called me, he was frustrated. He was frustrated because he went to this church service. They were having, quote, unquote, a deliverance ministry. Now, I believe in deliverance, and, you know, I believe Jesus delivers people, right? I believe he does that. He delivered me. He delivered me. He delivered you. He delivers people. And so they were calling devils out of everything. I mean, they were, call, they were calling devils out of everything. So he had on this paisley shirt. He had on a paisley shirt. He said, Mark, man, man, I'm, I'm kind of upset right now. He said, man, these people over there, they were praying for me. And I had this paisley shirt on. And he said, man, they were up there talking about the demons were in the paisleys. He said, man, he said, I told them my wife bought me this shirt. Now, why would his wife buy him a demon-possessed shirt? She already struggled with him without that. Why would she buy him a shirt that's demon-possessed? But, you know, we, we, we can go from one extreme to the other, but the reality is the Bible tells us our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, rulers, spiritual rulers uh, of darkness and, and high places. So we know there's a battle. And, and when you read the book of Revelations and it talks about the struggle that takes place, it says that Satan was given power to wear the saints out. And sometimes there's demonic principality, harassment, and fort. Listen, how many people in here are living for Jesus? All right, okay. How many people want to see Jesus' kingdom come and his will done on earth as it is in heaven? Do you think that you're going to be able to live a life for Jesus' kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? We got to understand that when his kingdom comes, another kingdom has to go. And if the kingdom, when his kingdom comes, the kingdom has to go, the king of that kingdom is not going to be too happy about you serving an eviction notice upon his territory. So you're going to get resistance. He's going to fight you. He's going to discourage you. You know, uh, I, was, I think I, I was sharing this on one of our little tapes that we do. When we first started pastoring, uh, me and my wife, we, you know, we, we newlyweds, loved each other. We, life was a ball. We started pastoring. And every Saturday night, am I telling the truth, honey? Every Saturday night, we would get in an argument. We'd get in an argument. Just like clockwork. And I'm thinking, why are we arguing every Saturday night? And then I don't know what happened. I don't know if my wife got, got a revelation. But, we, but, but somehow we came to understand, you know, we're fighting every Saturday night because Sunday is the next day. Sunday's the next day. 
And so what it was, it was those forces because it's like the way I am, it's like I don't want to stand up. If I'm not right with her, if I'm not in sync with her, if, if, if things are right with her, how am I going to stand before somebody and, and preach the word of God? How can, if, if I'm not right with her, how am I going to even pray? If I'm not right with her, how am I going to live the way God wants me to live? It, you, you know, I got to be, this, this has got to be, just like this has got to be right, that's got to be right. And so just the spiritual battle, and the enemy has the ways that he attacks each of us. Now, when it comes to finding a place of rest, a place of rest is not a place per se, but the place or the space is in a person. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. He says, come to me and I will give you a rest. Hold on one second, if you would. So Jesus says that, and he makes it clear that he can give us rest, and he wants to give us rest, regardless of what the force is that's causing the soul fatigue. Jesus says, you can rest. I'll give it to you because, number one, he is super accessible. Come on. Jesus is super accessible, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Like the old folks, old preacher said, all you got to do is just call on him. He's going to always be right there for you. Come on. Don't even have to say 911. All you got to do is just call out J-E-S-U-S. And as fast as you call his name, he will be there to reach down and to pick you up. He's accessible. His line is never going to be busy. He's never going to be out to lunch. He's never going to be taking a sabbatical or a break. My God, he's going to always be there, right there for you all the time. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him he's an accessible God. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him he's always on duty. Woo! I'll give you rest because I'm accessible. I'm accessible. Come on. I'm going to be right there for you. I love the scripture that said, I love the scripture that says, I'll even answer you before you call. Come on, somebody. How can you answer somebody before they call? If I told my wife, if I just when my wife and said, uh, what? Honey, what? She's like, what are you talking about? I didn't say nothing. I said, oh, I heard you say something. See, before you can get the what out or get the, the it out or the Lord help me out, he's already heard you. He's already present. He's already there. He's already loving. He's super accessible. Get that in your spirit. Tat that on your heart. Tat that on your spirit that Jesus will give me rest and he's super accessible. Number two, he's super understanding. My God, he gets you. He, come on, just tap your chest and say, he gets me. He gets me. He knows all about you. The Bible says, we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our weaknesses, our infirmities, our foibles. 
He gets us. He understands everything about us. Jesus gets me. And the reason why he gets me is because he loves me. He loves me. He cares about me. Come on. I'm the apple of his eye. Come on. I'm the center of his affection. Come on, somebody. He, he gets me. He knows all the hairs on my head. He gets me. He understands my thoughts before I think them. He gets me. He knows my uprising and my downsetting. He gets me. I can find a space to rest in him because he understands me. He gets me. He said, come on to me. You tired, Mark? Come on, boy. Come on over here. I got a space for you. He understands. You don't have to have a bunch of excuses. You don't have to tell him every, you don't have to tell him all about it. You don't have to try to convince him. He gets you. The Bible says he remembers our frames. He knows that we are but dust. Then the third thing is this. He's super able to give you rest. Man, I wish I could hoop. So then preachers can, ah, I, wish I, could, I, wish I, I wish I had that in me. I, I'd hoop this one. He's able to give you rest. Come on, when you, when you can't get comfortable on your pillow, he's able to give you rest. When the climate is too hot or too cold, he's able to give you rest. When the devil's in your ear and your money is funny and your change is strange, he's able to give you rest. When your body is hurt and your kids are acting up and your girl ain't acting right and your relationship is messed up, he can still give you rest. Woo! Come on, somebody. He's a rest-giving God. He's a rest-giving God. He knows how to give. Oh, come on, somebody. The Bible says it's vain to go to bed, to, to go to bed late working for food. I remember Pastor Wendell gave me this scripture years ago. He said, it's, it's vain to rise up early to work for food. Why? Because he gives his beloved rest. He loves you. He's going to give you rest. All the vanity, all the vain things. My God, there's a place, there's a space in Jesus that no matter what this world is throwing out, no matter what's coming against you, come on, somebody, there's a place in Jesus where you can find rest for your weary soul. Oh, my God, he is able, he is able, he is able, he is able. I remember watching this video where this guy was, I don't know why he did it, but he had put all these plates on the weights to bench press, right? I mean, he was like 300-some pounds, whatever. You know, that's a good little lift. But he had nobody spotting him. So what he was literally doing was filming his own death. Because he, he, got, he got the weights up, and he... Pushed on them, and they weren't going no place. They start coming down, down, and he's about to choke himself out. 
till somebody came over, grabbed the bar, and lifted it up. See, he wasn't able. But when the spotter came, it made it possible. My God, you got a spotter that can not just lift 300 pounds, but my God, you have a spotter that holds the earth up on its axis. You have a spotter that holds the stars in place by the power of his word. You've got a spotter that keeps the seas and the oceans within their boundary. You got a spotter who's able to give you a space to rest. Now, let's not complicate this. You know, we can make, make things complicated, thus stealing our propensity to find rest. Let's don't complicate it. Jesus didn't complicate it. All he said was, come to me. So, come to me. Wasn't a long theological discourse. Come to me. That's, let me see, did, did I make that profound enough? Jesus said it like this. Beloved, if you are in need of great rest and your soul is suffering from fatigue due to the nuances of the life that you've been living and you feel as if the breath of life is going out of your being and you know not what to do. If you need to find rest, here is the solution. Go to the coffee shop and get a large venti coffee. <laughs> Tell them to make it a triple shot so that when you drink it, you start pop locking. <laughs> he didn't say all that. All he said was, come to me. And if you just make the step to come, I'm going to be the one that's going to put you in a space within me, a relational space, where you can find rest. Beloved, Jesus wants to give you a space today where you can rest. I don't know what the fatigue of your soul is, and I don't know what the meter of your fatigue or your tired or your weary level may be. But he knows. And if you come to him for rest, he makes the promise. He says, I will give it to you. I want to do something. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Mark, I need some rest. I want you just to stand right where you are. And we're going to pray together. If your soul needs rest. If your soul needs rest. Okay, now I want you to do, do me a favor. A lot of us are standing. Just take it and put your hand on somebody's shoulder if you, if you don't mind. And we're not going to complicate this. We're not going to make this hard. We're going to just do it as simple as Jesus said it was. We're going to come to him. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just want you to make a simple statement. Lord, I'm coming to you. Father, I thank you today for my brothers and my sisters. Thank you for their honest hearts today. Thank you for the willingness in them to admit 
that they need your rest. My hand is up too, oh God. Father, bring them close to the heart of your son and begin to allow the weariness to dissipate and allow a new energy to begin to come within their souls today. What you promise here in the scriptures, bring it forth today, Father, in the name of Jesus. Let me just read this old hymn to you. So it's a hymn called Near the Heart of God. It says, there is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. There's a place of comfort sweet near to the heart of God. A place where we are Savior meet near to the heart of God. There is a place of full release near to the heart of God. A place where joy and peace near to the heart of God. Oh, Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before you near to the heart of God. So just with your own mouth, just make that confession. Jesus, come on, just say it out loud. Jesus, I come to you. Thank you for rest. Amen.